Hello, and welcome to the uh, coffee celebration. Today is the day you have all been waiting for. Now, I personally have never seen The Bachelor, but today's guest was on season 20 of The Bachelor. He owns a slew of restaurants in my home state of Colorado. He's an um, author. He has a podcast. He has a blog. And the reason why he's really here on the coffee celebration is because he, with his friends Riley Fuller and Drew Scholl, designed, created, and are running the Generous Coffee Company, which is really why I'm here. And so um, I'm grateful that you're able to take an hour to be with me. And I will say that I'm totally here with all of my swag from the Generous Coffee Company. I have things on my car. I'm drinking your coffee religiously. And, um, you know, I know people have other questions, but for me, I'm just excited to hear about how you started a coffee company. I know it goes back to about 2017 because I also have your book and I've read part of it. And so I have lots of questions, but unfortunately for my friends, they're not about The Bachelor. Um, so if you don't mind just sharing, how did you and your friends start um, Generous Coffee? Yeah, well, first off, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. And um, I love talking coffee. It's not always what people want to talk to me about, but when they do, I do enjoy it. Um, and so to tell the full story of Generous, uh, I have to start uh, like 15 years ago. And so my uh, my buddies and I went on a trip to Central America um, to, um, it was with a disaster relief organization to pass out food boxes um, to people who had been affected by a hurricane eight years before our trip. We went down, we passed out these food boxes and then we left and then we came back the next year and the people was, were still as hungry, thirsty um, and in need as they were the year before. So my buddies and I, uh, didn't like this idea. We didn't like that we were spending money and that people were traveling and wearing, and I write about this in the book, but wearing, you know, neon shirts and being celebrated for doing God's work in the world. Um, but yet there was no relationship. There was no sustainable programming. Uh, there was no empowerment um, that was a part of these trips. It was uh, a bunch of people from America passing out food boxes to a bunch of really hungry and thirsty people leaving and coming back the next year to take new pictures and to feel good about ourselves. And that fired us up. We were young, though, and immature and unwise. And so we let the anger of it all kind of sit in for years until the point in time where one of my buddies, Riley, uh, called me one day and he goes, hey, you know this thing that we complain about all the time? I think I have an idea. What if we went to these communities who are in need, we ask them, what do you need? What do you want? What do you dream of? And then how can we help? And that's how we program around, um, that's how we build programming around poverty elimination and community development. So we did it. And Humanity and Hope United is a nonprofit that started about 12 years ago now. Uh, with the idea that we would be led by people uh, in these communities and that we would just help them in any way we can, and it would be a longstanding relationship. Well, that nonprofit is doing really good work. It is. Uh, I'm lucky enough to be on the be 
to be on the board of it. I can't take credit uh, for the work that's done. That has to be taken by the people in these communities we're helping, but it's working. The problem though is uh, we needed a sustainable way to fundraise for a sustainable change nonprofit. And so on a trip to Honduras uh, in 2017, um, I was encouraged uh, and Riley was as well to find a sustainable way to, to fundraise. And that's where Generous came in. We thought that with the platform handed to me by the show, with our desire to try to help the world in any way we can, that we could sell a product as a for-profit business. We call ourselves for purpose. I don't think we've coined that phrase, but it is what we call ourselves. And then we would donate hundred percent of the profits to nonprofits uh, that are doing sustainable change work around the world. So that's where Generous started. And then coffee came in because we wanted, um, we wanted a few things when we looked at what kind of company we wanted to start. One, we wanted uh, to sell a product that brought people together. We wanted a product um, that was fairly universally consumed. Obviously, not everybody can or do does drink coffee, but for the most part, a lot of people drink coffee. Right. And um, and we wanted something that uh, a product that could sit in in the midst of really good conversation and really good connection with people. So there's two things that do that, in my opinion, in this world. Uh, I think food and alcohol do a great job at that, but I don't know how I'm going to sell food online. Uh, and I wasn't about to jump through the hoops of trying to get licensing and distribution for alcohol. That felt like a, um, a task too heavy to lift. And the third is tea and coffee. And, um, and so we started with coffee because it's something I love and I'm familiar with. And now we're, you know, four years in and we're still selling coffee this day. That is pretty amazing. So when you say sustainable, is Mm -hmm. that just, um, uh, like in how the coffee is processed or d- does that go back to the six pillars of humanity and hope? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, in what way? Cause I know you can produce coffee in a sustainable way, but then you're also speaking about how to make the economy and the whole area in Honduras that you went to, uh, sustainable in its own resources. So is it a little bit of both or? It is. Yeah. So um, one of one of the things we like to try to do um, is try to help and not hurt at every level of generous. And so, you know, one thing about coffee is the producers of the coffee bean are typically very poor. Um, they've been pushed around for most of the history of growing coffee. These are family businesses and companies have came in and undercut the price per bean. And then, you know, the middleman is selling it off to major coffee companies. Everybody but the producer is very wealthy in the coffee world. Um, Then the producer is very poor. There's a huge uh, gap there. So we want to buy our coffee at a fair price. Uh, We want to um, source sustainably. We want to do single origin coffee unless there's some really cool like blends that are made up of single origin coffees. Um, I do enjoy those. And, uh, but then for the most part, yes, when I say sustainable, what, what I mean by that uh, is that this from a, from a humanity and hope standpoint is that there's an empowerment 
where long term it won't be necessary uh, for for me or anybody else to have to be there for them to thrive and succeed and to continue. It's the same thing with Generous. Um, you know, we have an ambassador program at Generous. And one of the ideas with the ambassador program is you would use Generous Coffee to just do good in your community. So if it's a fundraiser, if it's a donation, whatever it is, what we want to do at every level is empower people to go out and do good and use Generous as an excuse to do that good. And, and so, yes, sustainability is, is a part of every element. It's a little easier to describe and define and strategize towards at the nonprofit level because at the business level, we have to be sustainable as a business or we right. just won't be around. Um, but at the nonprofit level, when we talk about humans and communities, yes, it's an empowerment. How hard was it to um, implement this uh, from across like Central America, United States? Like how hard was that? Uh, you know, for us, I felt like it was relatively easy um because we had the connections already in central america that we had the people that we had already worked with in the past we had the connections in fact one of the um people that are is importing our coffee we met on a plane and he just happened to be uh, a part of the family um that's one of the largest exporters of coffee in central america and we were sitting next to him on a plane one day and we're like hey can we talk to you and he helped set us up with all of these farms and these people and we've traveled now all over honduras um with him uh visiting some of the places that he already worked with and so you know i think the hardest part of that for us has been the storytelling side uh, and what I mean by that is there's some incredible things going on in Central America with Generous. It's been really hard to tell that story and get it captivating for the American audience because it feels so distant. That's been hard. And that's, I mean, that's our differentiator. Our differentiator is that we have really good coffee. Yes, a lot of people have really good coffee. Our storytelling and our impact is what would convince people to buy generous um, over some other craft coffee brand. Right. And so storytelling has been the hardest part for us. Is that part of the ambassador program though, too? Yeah, it, it is. Integrating that um, storytelling platform. Well, you got to think too about our business model. So um, I'd say on a, uh, on a consistent basis, like 10, 10% of our revenue um, is donated, right? So after we pay our employees, after we get all of our inventory, after we pay rent, all those things, about 10% is, is hopefully left aside. That's 100% of profits. Um, right. 100% of profits is very ambiguous when I say that. And if any business person is listening, they're like, yeah, what does that mean? Um, well, hopefully 10% of revenue is donated. So from our standpoint, we don't have a lot of money on hand to build out a workforce or to pay for commercial campaigns or to create incredible like uh, marketing campaigns. Right. And so the ambassador program, yes, is, uh, is storytelling for us. It's a group of people that are very committed to generosity who believe that generous as a company is a good way to do it. And then they'll just go out and, and on behalf of our company and behalf of the, on behalf of themselves and talk about what this company is doing. So yes, it, it is. It also, from a strategy standpoint is, Hey, it's a, it's a free sales team. Like they're out there talking about us and that's amazing. Absolutely. 
what about all this stuff that, you know, like I, I love my mug here. It, I don't yeah. even know how you figured this out, but to put like a, a reusable filter in there and it stays hot forever. Do the proceeds from buying things like this also go back into the community in Honduras that you're serving or? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we have worked with over 30 nonprofits now. So Humanity Hope United is always oh going to be gosh. our main beneficiary. They will always okay. be a um, some a company that benefits from our our sales, but we also have reached out now to other nonprofits and you know other pe- people groups who are trying to do good in the world and want to help them out as well. Um, so one of the cool things to answer your question is as we started generous uh, and we we opened ourselves up to this for purpose world, it, it opens up a door to an incredible amount of great companies. And so our partners, uh, you know, some of our main ones are Mudlove, um, Sackcloth and Ashes, uh, Good Market. Um, we have um, Welly. Um, I'm going to miss a few here. Oh, um, <clears throat> All Made, which makes all of our apparel. Yeah. All of these companies are committed to doing something good. Like the, the good of what they do as a company sits before um like at the front of their business instead of it being on the back end of everything. And it's just like, you know, how many commercials do we say to see today from a car company saying, Hey, 1% of sales is going to X, Y, which is awesome. I'm not against it. That's amazing. But these four purpose companies have a mission in front of their business. And so they like, you're looking at our, our, our Tumblr there. Um, all those companies are trying to do great for the environment and give back as well. So they have their own individual stories like Mudlove, for example, which makes our mugs and our bracelets for every product purchased. Um, they're giving a week's worth of water to the central African Republic. So when we buy it from them, that goes there. And then when it's sold from us, then we donate the profits on that end. And so it's really a cyclical um, good that's happening. And that's been a really cool thing to find. Because unlike maybe uh, the, the more corporate um, space, the private space, the public space where there's a competition at hand, there's still a competition here. We're all trying to survive and thrive, but there's also a desire to work together because we've started these things with the desire to help and, and instead of the desire just to make money. So tell me more a little bit, because <clears throat> my friends will attest to this, that decaf yeah. for me is probably the best, because um, I kind of love my coffee all day long. But there's artistry done on the bags. Yeah. So does that go back into the to the artists that do this? Or um, is it just showcasing, showcasing different artists because they're absolutely gifted? Um, this is a new program for us. Um okay. So one of the th- ideas that we had was instead of selling um, brown bags that we're just going to get thrown away, right. we wanted to sell bags. Like if you tear your bag apart, you can actually frame it. And it becomes a full picture. Um, there's a seal on the what? side that you can see. Yeah, it's sticky. It's like a bit, really good sticker. And it yes. opens up to a, a beautiful picture that's been painted. Um, that one that you're holding is from a, uh, an artist named Pichiavo out of uh, uh, Spain. So we wanted to highlight artists and their work um, on our bags. And so they agree, they design these bags for us. And then there's a QR code in the back that you can go to and it tells the story of the artist. So it's exposing the artist, it's celebrating art um, and it's making the bag something that's um, 
more likely to be kept. Still, yeah. I don't think everybody's keep, but it's more likely to be kept, um, which is better for the environment. Uh, and it's just cool to have art such a piece of generous now. Yeah. Uh, and it makes each bag unique. So every four months, we rotate designs. Our first design um, was one of our ambassadors did it, and she painted all of the bags or all the pictures with our coffee. Um, and so all the murals are with generous coffee, and um, she just kind of what she does for fun, and it's they're really incredible. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, art has become a huge part of generous because it's something that you know we can celebrate across cultures and enjoy um, as we drink our coffee. That's so awesome. Um, so as you look back from the time, and I'm not going to go back 12 years, but when yeah. um, in 2017 until now, have you seen that sustain- sustainability piece really become integrated in Honduras and the communities you're, you're um, implementing, you know, this sustainability in? Mm, Are you yeah. seeing it like you know, the jobs are staying, the economy is improving. Um, there's more consistency in that outreach and, and things like that. Definitely. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, unfortunately, uh, la- in November of 2020, um, yeah. the, the location that we work closest in was hit by two category five hurricanes <laughs> back to back within four days of each other. So one hit four days later, another one hits it set things back. Um, however, the cool part has been where, you know, we're two years removed. And as I, if you, if you can reference my original story, you know, there are eight years removed when I first took my trip yeah. from a hurricane and there was still devastation everywhere. Houses were, I mean, there's still that right now too, but the communities that we work in are back up and running again. They're cleaned up their, their homes are fixed. Um, the businesses are going again. And I think that's a great sign. Also, uh, we have uh, one of our most successful campaigns has been uh, we started a chicken business with the women in each community, and that business is now profitable. And so two of the communities that we work in, actually, they own this business. So they're selling, they're, they're paying payroll, they're navigating, managing. Like this is a business that they have and that they distribute with. Um, we're still there to consult and help and maybe pick up some burdens as they uh, come about. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, that's just like, if we left, if H&H dissolved tomorrow, their chicken business still th- survives and thrives. Also, um, a cool thing to celebrate is up until um, two years ago, uh, one of the communities had never had somebody graduate from middle school in their history. Uh, and today we have uh, a young man named Samuel, who is a sophomore or junior in university, um, studying to be an, um, an architect. So he's going to go to college. He nice. has huge dreams. He's very, very skilled. And that changes the community. Um, so, yes, it is working. And it's working in incredible ways. And I think uh, we're, we are only getting better at it. And I think as we get better at it, now these communities that have been a part of the program can go out and train up other communities, their neighboring communities on how to do it also, mm-hmm. which, you know, in a hundred years from now, uh, when I'm long gone, I'm hoping that still happens and that good is still coming from, you know, their education and their knowledge. That's awesome. I do want to talk about your book a little bit, if that's okay. I know it's not coffee related, but it did come yeah, out last year and I had 
I wasn't able, I'm a single mom of three boys. So sometimes I don't always have that peace and quiet that I desperately desire. But um, (laughs) I was reading parts of your book and there were aspects I just wanted to ask you about. Um, You spoke in part of your book about trying to find your place. You know, Um, were you a jock? Were you a um, teacher? Were you a writer? Things like that. And to me, when I read it, it kind of spoke of like imposter syndrome, you know, how, why am I meant to do this? Or how can I do this? How can I make a difference? And then I just wanted to know, like, how did you push through just to get messy and do it and keep trying, make those mistakes and get better, like you just said? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, thanks for talking about the book. Yeah, Alone in Plain Sight came out in February of last year. So it's been a year and uh, it's still something so important to me. Um, it always will be important to me. It was a huge project for me and it, it wasn't easy for me to do. Um, but I, I think it was worth it. And so the question of how do I keep going? Well, so uh, my faith is, is very important to me from an aspect of, I just believe it's real. Like, I believe there's a God that really loves us. Yeah. I believe this God has, um, desires for us to, to go out into the world and do something, uh, if anything, something. And, and so for me, I have to continue to preach into myself. Like I have value, I have worth, um, that I have a responsibility that I have breath. And if, as long as I have breath, I have life. Um, when you have life, there's, there's things around you and there's a call, you know, and this is my faith tradition. It's not everybody's and there's some great things out there and all, but you know, Jesus, uh, really uh, one of the clearest one of the only really clear things he ever said that wasn't in a parable um was to go out and care for the orphan and widow um and to look for the outsider and to love on those who are hurting the most and if that's the calling from um the god that i i worship then uh i believe it's important i believe it's not only important i believe there's something to it too i think it's going to make me more alive and it's going to make me feel more joy and me experience life in different ways and so I just have to do it, even if I don't want to, even if it doesn't feel, um, it, even if it doesn't feel good, or if I feel like I'm an imposter in it, or I get, you know, criticism for it, I just have to do it because I believe it's important. And, and the key there is to, to try to continue to ask yourself, am I helping or hurting? There's a lot of people out there that really desire to do good in the world. And they go out and they, uh, especially here from the United States, and they, they take charge and they, they go out and they, you know, kind of like pass out food boxes and then leave. And, right. It's like, is that helping or is it hurting? And so that's the question now I have to ask myself is I, I know the clear call. Mm-hmm. And so now my, my responsibility is to always try to stay attuned to, uh, is this doing good or is it just, you know, a really cool thing for me to show off on social media so people think I'm a good dude. I do not get that feeling at all because throughout your book, you highlight tremendously inspirational people. Some yeah. have not. Some have not lived past their challenges. Some mm-hmm. have definitely tapped into their potential and are reaching their goals. Um, but as I was reading your book, I'm like, I, I had such, I don't know what the word is, but like I connected with them and I thought, oh, okay, so I can keep going. I can do this. She did this or, or things like that. And, um, you know, it was that kind of the reason why you put people's stories in the book or. Um, 100%. 
Yeah, I mean, it would be really cool for me to write a book all about myself and think that I discovered <laughs> and inspired the multitudes. Right. Um, I just don't believe that's the case. Right. And so um, one of the cool things that we have as humans is the gift of community and to hear yeah. and learn from each other. Uh, and these people are people that I've learned from along the way. Um, some I've known for a long period of my life. Some I've known for a very short time in my life. But all of them have given me something that's encouraged me to take one more step further. Mm-hmm. And so, yes. So there's like six, I think there's six unique people that I, I tell their story in the book. And I do that because these are incredible humans. And I also kind of believe that there's a lot of people out there. If they, if they maybe can't relate directly with their story, they can direct, directly li- relate with the, um, the lessons learned. Um, I'm not one um, to be a teacher. I'm not a good teacher for a couple of reasons. One, um, my mind changes on things all the time. So I could really speak truth into you today and regret that tomorrow. So I'd be like, yeah, it wasn't true. Um, and so I have to lean on other people to teach as well. And I think the best way for us to learn is through story. Yeah. And so, yes, uh, you know, we, I highlight a young lady who had cystic fibrosis and I got to talk to her in her last two weeks of life and what it looked like to know that she was dying. I got to talk to a kid who's a friend of mine who was uh, quarantined before quarantine was a thing for a year of his life in the heart of high school. A young man who was a college athlete who gets in a ski accident his first week moving to Denver and now he's paralyzed from the chest yeah. down. Yeah. Um, all of these things have lessons within them. And, uh, and I think those lessons are important to learn from. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you mentioned Denver, which I yeah. love, born and raised there. Um, so how has um, being in Denver, it's an expensive place to live. Yeah. You, you, I know, right? You own restaurants there. You're, you have so many good things that you're doing. How do you balance it? I mean, you're newly married. You, you, your book came out. You have a lifestyle blog, you have a podcast. I don't know if you still have, um, you know, responsibilities to your bachelor days and with the TV show. But um, when I was researching you and reading your book, you're like a man in motion. Like I, there's days where I don't even do laundry because I can't do it, you know, but like I, I, in preparation for today, I'm like, I have so much more I could be doing, you know, I don't know how you balance everything good question um, <laughs> I don't know okay. yeah you're 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 hitting on a subject that I think I've had to ask myself a lot here okay. in the last year you know I'm when I'm single this was really easy uh <laughs> now that I'm married and right. you know my wife is is one that encourages me and and wants me to do whatever it is that I feel yeah. is necessary however I also really love my time with her and our new puppy who if you have or is that who you were letting out your puppy so I was letting out he's brand new and he he only has a small bladder All um, right. so but uh I you know here's the truth to it though is I am able to do it because of the people that have are a part of it with me um I uh I was talking at a conference a few years ago and and somebody asked like hey Ben how do like kind of the same question how do you do all this and I thought about it and I was like you know and I mean this, like I have been able to, um, by, uh, the graciousness of life, 
or the gift of a platform can been connected with people far more talented than I am. And so I try my best. Like the one thing I think I do well is I try to get really good people on board with good things that I'm trying to do or to team up with good people. And so when I do that, there is the, the less of the stress of I've got to do this, this, and this. And it's more of, I get to sit and enjoy it with them and work with them. And, um, and, and over time, it's then eliminating responsibilities uh, that, you know, from myself when it comes to day to day details uh, to where I don't have to sometimes think about uh, the restaurants for days at a time at all, uh, because I know they're fine. I know they're operating. I know they're great. I know they're thriving. Uh, and if they're not, I know I'd hear about it and then I then yeah. maybe shift it back and forth. But yeah, I'd, I'd see the key to that, to, the key to really any time management, the key to any uh, thing that's done is who who's a part of it with you, right. who's surrounding your who you're surrounding yourself with. And when you surround yourself with great people, great things are going to happen. And yeah. uh, and that's what I feel like I've been gifted enough to do. And, and uh, I do feel like a lot of that is because of the gift of this platform. People you know, initially we're like, yeah, let's, let's try to do this good. And now there's a million people on Instagram that can join on board as well. And that's, that's a, that's a pretty unique thing that, that I'm really excited about. Yeah. So I will say I am part of your ambassador program. I'm one of those groupies and um, my long-term goal is my oldest son has autism and an intellectual disability. So um, he's 19 and he's going to graduate high school in a year because the way it works is that he can stay to learn life skills for an additional year. And so what I want to do is open a coffee shop. So he and his friends who have special needs work there because it's really hard. Um, My son functions at like a fifth grade level Mm -hmm. and it's really hard for me to leave him somewhere and rest assured that he's going to be treated well, because in the past that hasn't happened. And so that's why um, that's like my big picture, my life goal, especially after I maybe get my laundry done, but um, that do you do a book tour? I mean, are you doing a book tour with this wonderful book? Well, first off, let me respond to your idea. That's a great idea. And there is, you know, one of the people I write about in the book, his name's Avery. Uh, Avery is now the manager at a place called Brewability, which is here in Denver, Colorado. And Brewability is that place that you're talking about, but it's a brewery. And so people with all sorts of developmental um, issues or behavioral issues, or uh, like for Avery, it's more of like a a physical illness that kind of keeps him from being able to work consistent hours, or he sometimes has to take, you know, months off because he's in the hospital this place hires them on and it is an incredible place where they make pizza and they, they brew beer and it's a bar and it's awesome. That sounds amazing. And what part of Denver is it in? South Denver. It's on Broadway. Okay. uh, South Broadway street. And it's, it's, it's awesome. And so your idea is great. And I love it. And I think, uh, you know, I think that's what generous is about uh, is, you know, you said it um, not giving people the opportunity. Um, but just allowing people the opportunity who typically wouldn't have the opportunity to do great things. Um, because I, you know, I once heard a pastor that I like Craig Rochelle say, he goes, he said in life, like the, one of the best lessons you can continue to keep in the front of your mind is that you can learn from everybody. And that, I mean, everybody, like there's something to be learned. And so 
um, it would be it'd be sad if um, your son and his group of friends weren't um, you know out in the world because there's something we can learn from them. And so yes, that's that's a great idea. Um, I now forget your second part of the question. It was only, I mean, it was, I was, I think I was sharing too much and I got a little nervous, but I did ask, um, you know, do you, do you have a book tour? Do people, oh. how do people find your, your book? I mean, I did Amazon. So, but yeah. um, I wasn't sure, like, are you out there doing it? So yeah. well, in all your free time, in all your free time. Yeah. You know, luckily I wrote this book for two years, had uh, signed with a publisher uh, had planned out everything, the launch, the tour, so many exciting stuff, things. And, uh, and there's this thing that happened in the world called COVID um, that shut everything down. And so uh, the book tour, tour uh, kind of got canceled. Um, in the book world, things move fast, right? And, yeah. um, and so, yeah, it's, it's sad. No, I don't have one planned. Uh, I do talk about it a lot. Yeah, uh, I'm starting to get out there now more since, you know, COVID is gone and speaking more or sharing more or being invited to new things. And, and the book is always a part of that message. Yeah. So I'm hoping that, you know, drives um, involvement, ultimately, personally, sales. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so people can find it on Amazon. You type in Alone in Plain Sight and it, it's yeah. still on Amazon. Um, there's probably some used copies out there now for, uh, that are a lot less expensive and there's, uh, you know, soft cover copies as well. So, um, yeah, you know, Alone in Plain Sight is a book that is fairly evergreen to me. I don't see it ever not being a part of my messaging and my story and and kind of what I do. I'm hoping that like the lifespan of it continues also that in 10 years, people are still picking up that book and learning something from it. Times will be different and references will be different, but maybe just maybe there'll be something to learn. Well, it's interesting because I'm Jewish. So I'm reading your book and very similar, very similar messages. Mm. Um, And even though I'm not familiar with the New Testament, you know, I can connect what you've said in this book to experiences in my life or things I've learned in my faith. And it's very universal. So I don't think it's limited to just one faith based, you know, religion. It's, it's very global and it speaks to a lot of different people. So that's why I also got it because I'm a God's girl and I have a deeply rooted faith myself and it keeps me grounded as well. So well, and, the, and I just got back two days ago from Israel. Um, I was in Israel for two weeks. And, uh, you know, I think you're, you're right, right? Israel's a unique place yeah. with conflict and with things that aren't ideal, right? But um, there is, there's multiple um, faith traditions being practiced and celebrated, um, not always encouraged, but celebrated uh, within like one city wall. And, uh, I think that we just have a lot more in common um, than we have different. And the interesting thing about, you know, what people seem to want to forget is, uh, Jesus, uh, was Jewish. Um, and so the messaging and the lessons and the parables are all referencing things, uh, in the old Testament. And there's so much that's referenced then that can be crossed with, you know, Islam. And the messaging uh, 
within Islam. And I think, I, I think each faith tradition does have a call that, uh, that there is people in this world that need each other. And, um, I think the day, uh, you know, I, I think that's enough. Like I still, yeah. I think that calls on all of us. Exactly. Exactly. I could not agree more. So you went to Israel, beautiful yeah. Israel, and now you're in my home state, drinking in my delicious, healthy water, breathing in the mountain air. And I'm sitting here in Cincinnati, just hoping to get laundry done. Great. Yeah. So as we close up, I just want to have you give our listeners like a bit of advice about going for their dreams. Cause you seem you seem to be very successful in many different areas of your life. And sometimes um, people can get discouraged even after one setback. So mm. do you have anything? And I apologize to my listeners that this is not bachelor focused. It's purely coffee, you guys. You knew that when you became friends with me. But if you could just leave us with um, a generous, no pun intended, piece of advice that um, can uh, keep us going. Hmm. Well, let me start uh, with the people who feel discouraged. Um, like that, that, that is not uncommon to me. Uh, if you read the book or if you yes. just at all was a, were a part of my life at an intimate level, you would know that this like getting discouraged, getting thrown off track, um, losing my sense of self is not something that I'm um, unfamiliar with. And in a lot of times, um, so there's two things I would say to follow that up. Most of the time, at least up until this point in my life, those moments of deepest pain and confusion, when things are getting ripped away that I thought were going to be there forever, or when things are leaving me, if it comes to, um, you know, my faith or, uh, my relationships or my career, um, it's also the moments I learn the most. There's something um, sacred about those moments that open you up um, to a brand new beginning. Uh, and I think I don't wish them on anybody. Yeah. I don't enjoy them myself, but I would say when you're in those moments that feel like you're in the desert, um, don't give up because something beautiful is happening. And, and, and it just might take time. The, the next thing I would say is you're just not alone. Uh, don't, you know, the worst feeling when you're in those moments is you feel like you're the only one going through it. And, uh, and that's common. That's a common feeling for all of us. You're just not alone uh, there. And that's one of the reasons, as we mentioned, I shared other people's stories and my own story in the book was to show that, okay, this is a very small sample size. There's like six of us, seven of us, right. Right. but all seven of these people have had it. And, and I believe if you look around you, you're going to find a lot of people who have been through the, the desert. And then finally, um, I'll go back to what I said earlier, uh, to follow your dreams, um, looks differently than following your, uh, ideals or your expectations. And, and I think dreams, uh, change and they move and they're flexible. Uh, and I would say, as you pursue those things, um, figure out who you're helping within the process, figure out how it's affecting you. And as long as you have breath, you have life and you have value. And so don't, just don't give up. Yeah. Oh, he can definitely be part of the podcast. He, he liked that. He fired up. Yeah, he got fired up. Oh, I love it. Um, I am so grateful you took this time to meet with me. 
and I wish you continued success and look forward to seeing you on your book tour and seeing how um, everything that you do uh, just blossoms. So thank you, Mr. Higgins, so much. Thank you. Be well. I appreciate it.